Hello and welcome to Disastrous History. My name is Anthony, and I am the host of this wonderful mess of a show that will attempt to chronicle some of the biggest and most interesting disasters, messes, and all-around screw-ups that have happened throughout the centuries. This week, we are going to cover two disasters in one episode. We're going to cover two disasters in one episode this week because it's the only time in recorded human history that this type of disaster has happened. They're both the same type of disaster, obviously, just two years and about 100 or so miles apart. Both occurred in Africa, both occurred in Cameroon. They are the Lake Neos disaster and the Lake Monown disaster. The Lake Monown disaster occurred on August 15th, 1984, around 10.30 p.m. into the next morning. The Lake Neos disaster occurred on August 21st, 1986, around 9 p.m. into the next morning. The two disasters killed almost 2,000 people and thousands of livestock and wildlife. It even killed birds and insects and left basically no trace that it ever occurred. There was no damage on the bodies, no injuries, no visible scarring, no blood, nothing. They were just left there. That's all it was. So, what was the disaster that caused these deaths? What could have killed thousands of people, thousands of cows, thousands of wildlife, insects, birds, and left absolutely no trace. Well, what occurred on those August days back in the 1980s is what is known as a limnic eruption. A limnic eruption, in the simplest terms I can make it, is when a large cloud of carbon dioxide is released from a lake. So, how does that happen, and should you be worried about the lake nearby? Well, Lakes that are subject to limnic eruptions require three main ingredients in order to erupt. First, there must be an abundant source of carbon dioxide nearby. The main source of carbon dioxide is volcanic lines, volcanoes, things of that nature. So if you don't live near a volcano, you're probably alright. Lake Neos and Lake Monown both sit on the Cameroon Volcanic Line and the Oku Volcanic Field. Lake Neos literally sits on the side of a dormant volcano. And Lake Monown is in a volcanic crater. There's plenty of carbon dioxide around the two lakes. The CO2 originates deep underground in magma. It slowly filters up through the bedrock underneath the lakes. There, it dissolves into the groundwater. Carbon dioxide can dissolve in water, for those that were unaware. It's the same concept as a Coke. When you open a can of Coke... The escaping bubbles are CO2 that were forced into the water during the manufacturing process. Carbon dioxide, a single carbon atom, and two oxygen atoms have a slightly negative charge as the oxygen ends of the molecule do not share electrons evenly, giving it the negative charge. Water molecules are attracted to these negative polar areas and can trap carbon dioxide molecules within the water. As the water heats up, the solubility of the CO2 gas decreases. So cold water is essential for carbon dioxide to dissolve in water. This will become important later. So anyway, the carbon dioxide dissolves into the groundwater, which is then injected into springs. These springs are called soda springs, essentially because they're carbonated water. Both Lake Monown and Lake Nios are partially fed by these springs, so there's plenty of carbon dioxide in both areas to go around. Second, the lake must be strongly stratified. This means that the bottom layer of water and the top layer of water do not mix, ever. If they mix, 
This would allow the carbon dioxide to be released regularly and wouldn't cause a problem. But the water levels of Lake Neos and Lake Monown do not move regularly, or at all really. The hotter layers settle on the top and the colder layers settle on the bottom. Same way heat works in a room. Heat rises, so when water is hotter, it rises to the top. When water is colder, it falls to the bottom. Most lakes in the rest of the world will rotate what layer is on top and what layer is on bottom with seasons because it gets colder and warmer and the top layer in the summer will get cold in the winter and the fall and fall to the bottom and then during the spring the top layer will warm up and it's basically it rotates usually once a year. But because Lake Neos and Lake Monown are so deep, the bottom layer never becomes warmer than the top layer, which means the top layer never leaves being the top layer. This allows for the carbon dioxide seeping in from the magma pockets below each lake and the soda springs full of carbon dioxide, the ability to sit and gather carbon dioxide for decades. The water can become super saturated with carbon dioxide because the water layers never change. That is, until something changes it. The third requirement is the lake must be deep enough to contain gases at very high pressures. Lake Neos is 682 feet at its deepest point and averages a depth of about 311 feet. It is about six-tenths of a square mile. For comparison, the biggest Great Lake, Lake Superior, averages a depth of about 483 feet over 31,700 square miles. Lake Neos is not a very big lake in surface area, but it is extremely deep. The reason these lakes have to be so deep is because there needs to be a massive amount of pressure at the bottom of the lake in order to hold massive quantities of carbon dioxide. If the lake isn't very deep, then the weight of the water above it pushing down isn't enough to store enough carbon dioxide to really cause a problem. The pressure of the water pushing down on the water that is at the bottom of the lake is called hydrostatic pressure. Hydrostatic pressure has to be high enough that it will be able to contain the carbon dioxide long enough to be able to build up a store that's enough to actually cause a problem. I realize I just said enough a lot. Anyway, the gas will eventually be released when the pressure of the gas in the water becomes greater than the hydrostatic pressure of the water. Basically, when the water becomes super saturated with carbon dioxide and the pressure becomes imbalanced. So, the pressure of the water at the bottom of Lake Neos is about 300 psi pressure of the carbon dioxide in order to be sufficiently, sufficiently released in quantities that will cause problems has to be greater than 300 psi. Unless some force acts on the lake that upsets the second requirement of the stratification of the lake. So to sum up, first you need a consistent source of carbon dioxide in large quantities. Second, you need strong stratification. Third, you need a deep, deep lake. Both Lake Neos and Lake Monown had all three requirements. But no one knew it, because no one had ever seen this before. This wasn't a thing that happened every ten years or so. This is a thing that happened maybe once in a thousand years, once in five hundred years, and it's not like either of these places the lakes are located are well populated, so no one was ever out there long enough to experience it. Essentially, both of these lakes were just waiting for the right thing to occur in order to release their deadly payload. 
On August 15, 1984, Lake Monown released its reservoir of gas. The Lake Monown disaster does not have much research devoted to it. This is probably due to the relative remoteness of the lake and the fact that it didn't really kill that many people. I mean, 37 people is a lot of people, don't get me wrong, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big. Multiple people reported hearing a loud noise around 10.30 p.m. on August 15th. The subsequent gas cloud ended up killing 37 people. One story states that several people were traveling in a truck in the vicinity. The truck's engine cut out due to a lack of oxygen. Giant carbon dioxide cloud pushes out all the oxygen. Makes sense. The people in the truck got out, curious what was happening, and suffocated. The two people sitting on top of the truck were able to survive due to carbon dioxide being heavier than air. There's really no solid source for this story, but it appears in several of the articles discussing the disaster, and it's at least plausible carbon dioxide is heavier than air. So it's not an unreasonable story, just no real solid source for it. Lake Neos, on the other hand, is completely different. On August 21st, 1986, Lake Neos erupted. At around 9 p.m., Ephraim Shea was in his house with his kids when he heard a small rumble sounded almost exactly like a rock slide. He went outside and saw a white mist coming off the lake. He thought it was rain, but then he thought to himself that that was kind of weird because there weren't any clouds in the sky. But he went to bed anyway. At the exact same time, a cow herd down the hill named Halima Soli also heard the rumbling. She said it sounded like a bunch of voices yelling. Then there was a really strong wind. And then she passed out. The next morning, Che went down towards the lake. The first thing he saw was the normally blue water of Lake Neos was red. This obviously freaked him out. Because of a lake that was blue when you went to bed, turning the color of blood isn't a sign of the apocalypse, then I don't know what is. But this was only just the beginning for the poor man. The next thing he noticed was the waterfall near the shore was bone dry. And then he noticed it was completely silent. There was no noise from birds. There was no noise from insects. There was absolutely nothing. And this is Africa in the wilderness. There's always insects and animal noises. There was absolutely nothing. So... He did what I think any of us would have do. He started to run. Farther down the hill, he happened on Sully, screaming that no one would move. Scattered around were her family members just laying on the ground. Thirty-five of them. And farther out, the bodies of four hundred cattle. Not a single one was moving. Not a single one was injured. There was no evidence of any foul play. No evidence of blood, no evidence of bruising. They all just appeared to be sleeping, but they were all dead. And then he noticed another strange thing. There were no flies on any of the bodies at all. All the flies were dead too. So Che ran down to the village of Lower Neos because that's where all the people should be. And there he found an absolutely terrible sight. Nearly every single one of the 1,000 villagers was dead. They were found wherever they fell, 
beside cooking fires, in doorways, in beds, at tables, etc. It draws comparisons to the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, but without having to excavate the people there. They were just there, wherever they were, looked completely normal, looked like they were just falling asleep doing whatever they were doing. Che truly believed it was the end of the world, and I really can't fault him for that. Everyone, nearly everyone he knew, was dead for no apparent reason. All of the animals were dead for no apparent reason. Who wouldn't think that was the end of the world? I'd be freaking out if I went outside and there was just dead people everywhere, and there's no evidence as to how it happened. My mind would be doing some, jumping to some crazy conclusions at that point, especially if I was the only one left alive. I'd be repeatedly pinching myself, or at that point I'd be beating my head against things trying to wake up from the terrible dream I was having. It was like some phantom had come out and snatched the life from everyone and escaped, leaving behind no evidence besides the bodies. Interestingly enough, some of the local tribes around Lake Neos referred to the area there as the Bad Lake. There are several local legends of evil spirits emerging from the lake and killing all the villagers around it. Che's people had a tradition of settling Upper Neos, basically the area that was above the level of the lake. Now, it may be jumping to conclusions, but it indicates they may have known that those who live in the low-lying areas were in some form of danger so there was at least some legend of the lake causing a disaster before. 1,746 people and more than 3,500 livestock were killed that August night. Thousands more wildlife died. All suffocated almost immediately. Many people who weren't killed, and it seems to have kind of come at random because every single person in Sully's family died except for her, and there's really no good explanation as to why she was the only one that survived. But the many people who weren't killed were unconscious for almost 36 hours. And that, after sleeping for 36 hours, well, being unconscious for 36 hours, they woke up to find basically their entire families dead, all of their cattle dead, their entire lives destroyed for no evidence. And... At this point, conspiracy theories just took off. And again, I can't blame them. There's no evidence of anything. Your first thought at that point is going to be some sort of secret weapon that either the Cameroonian government or the U.S. government or whoever you want to blame put on these people for testing or just because. I mean, it, conspiracy theories ranged from a neuron weapon to a chemical attack to just whatever. Those who lived nearby who survived immediately fled. The Cameroonian government evacuated everyone nearby who, who didn't flee and then raised several of the villages nearby to prevent anyone from coming back to near the lake. And it took a while to figure out what actually happened in these disasters. I mean, it's not like there was anything left over to test. It came in, people died, and then whatever happened left. Since there are only three lakes in the world that have the capability of erupting like this, Lake Kivu in the Democratic Republic of the Congo is the third one. 
for those that were worried if the lake nearby their house was suddenly going to release a giant cloud of carbon dioxide in their sleep and kill them. You can rest easy unless you live in Cameroon or the DRC. This was just not a thing that was known. Scientists swarmed to Lake Nyos to figure out what happened from all over the world. They immediately went to the lake and started to take samples, and eventually got on a boat, went out to the middle of the lake, and dropped a sample container down into the very deep parts of the lake, and took a sample there. When they brought that sample to the surface, the canister lid shot off. The carbon dioxide levels in this deep part of the lake were astronomical. They eventually had to use a pressurized container to keep the lid from exploding popping off when they brought it to the surface so they could actually test it. Scientists estimated that the amount of carbon dioxide that erupted out of Lake Neos was about 1.2 cubic kilometers. That is an insane amount of carbon dioxide. That is a box that is 1.2 kilometer by 1.2 kilometer by 1.2 kilometer. That's a lot! And that massive cloud traveled at about 45 miles an hour. So that explains why Sully felt that wind. She got hit with a cloud of carbon dioxide that was moving 45 miles an hour. Throwing in that carbon dioxide is heavier than air, anything nearby the lake had an almost 0% chance of survival. Anything that was on the ground, basically, was going to suffocate. That, that's basically it. The cloud of carbon dioxide killed car engines, extinguished fires, it even killed the insects. The eruption of gas sent a column of water several hundred feet into the air, and what ended it was eventually the wind blew and allowed the cloud to disperse. So, what caused the eruption? It's not entirely known, unfortunately. Che claims to have heard a small rumble, and scientists studying the lake afterwards noted one of the faces of the rock wall near the lake showed evidence of a recent rock slide. A rock slide into the lake would disturb the water enough to cause the pop to come off the Coke can, so to speak. There aren't any bubbles in a Coke can until you open the top, then the pressure releases and you get bubbles. A rock slide moves the water and opens the can, alleviating the pressure and allowing a massive bubble of carbon dioxide to reach the surface. The issue with this theory is that, theoretically, that column of water that shot several hundred feet into the air could have hit that rocks and made the rocks slide into the lake, which would have been after the gas had released. So, it's not 100%, it's possible. Both the Lake Monown disaster and the Lake Neos disaster happened in August, which seems like a infinitesimally small chance for them to happen in the same month, only two years apart. August is monsoon season in Cameroon. It has been theorized that a cold rain fell on one half of Lake Nios, which cooled the top layer of water enough to drop it and the bottom layer to be brought up, which released the carbon dioxide. It is important to note that Che did say he thought rain was coming in his story. One other piece of evidence that lends credence to this theory is that 1980s had been a colder decade for Cameroon. So, if cold rain had fallen, it could have caused that lake overturn, which then brought the carbon dioxide up. Why it happened then 
and why it happened in both Lake Monown and Lake Neos at such a specific time is not really explained. The other two things that Che noted that haven't been explained yet. Number one, why did the lake turn that red color? Well, when the carbon dioxide rocketed to the surface, it brought iron-rich sediment with it, giving the lake that color. Soon after, it returned to the blue color it normally was. The other thing that wasn't explained was why the waterfall had dried up. That can also be explained by the massive amount of carbon dioxide that was released took up a ton of space. So when it released, all that water dropped down into the place of where that carbon dioxide was being stored, and it dropped the lake a full meter. So what are we going to do to fix this from never happening again? Well, scientists finally figured out that they could install tubes to help degas the lake. Permanent pipes were installed in Lake Neos in 2011 to help release carbon dioxide, and a dam was built on one end of Lake Neos to prevent the weakening natural wall from collapsing. Since the installation of the tubes in 2011, Lake Nios has again turned the red color because it's bringing that sediment up with it as it off-gasses through the tubes, which is better than releasing its gas and killing thousands of people again. And it's not like carbon dioxide poisoning is an unheard-of situation either. Since ancient times, animals and people near volcanoes and other carbon dioxide-rich areas have been found suffocated to death in low-lying areas. It just had never been seen on such a wide scale. And that's why it took so long for scientists to figure out what in the world happened here. Hopefully, with the precautions put in place, this will never happen again. Because... Chances are, if it does happen again, there's no way to predict it. There's no permanent testing at Lake Nios or Lake Monown or even Lake Kivu in Democratic Republic of the Congo. They're not constantly testing to see what the carbon dioxide level is in these lakes. There's just not the funding for it. They had trouble funding the tubes just to be able to prevent it from happening again somewhat. It took until 2011 to get three permanent tubes installed in the lake and those were basically essential like they it's just going to happen again whenever maybe the wind blows too hard and breaks the stratification or it rains too much and the water gets too cold or there's a rock slide or an earthquake or hey maybe the volcano becomes active again which if the volcano becomes active again they probably have bigger problems but It's just highly unlikely that they're going to get constant testing of the carbon dioxide levels in the bottom of Lake Nios and Lake Monown, especially considering it's a good haul to get out there in the first place just to do the testing and installation of the tubes that they had to do. Hopefully the tubes are enough to make this never happen again. And thankfully, there are only three official lakes in the world that this can happen at. There's a fourth one in Guatemala, but scientists aren't really convinced that it actually can have a limnic eruption. So, if you live somewhere near a lake, unless you're in Cameroon, or DRC, or potentially Guatemala, you are safe. You do not need to worry. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Disastrous, H-S-T-R-Y, so Disastrous History, without the vowels, on Twitter, and Disastrous History, spelled correctly, on Instagram. 
You can also find maps, photos, and the episodes in an article format on DisastrousHistory.com. You can also leave comments on the articles on DisastrousHistory.com, and you can you know, message me on Twitter or Instagram or reply to any one of my tweets and let me know how what you think of the show, what I need to change, etc. And also, if you can leave a podcast review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, except for Spotify, because Spotify doesn't allow reviews for some reason, and let me know what you think and what I need to change, and uh, guess if you hate it, you can let me know that too. Um, I appreciate it. I hope to hear from you guys next week. As always, stay safe and check your smoke detector batteries.